Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and let's get to part two of uh, pitfalls and evaluation of the GU track. And I always like to say that transitional cell carcinomas are one of the things that's easy to miss, but you look really good when you make the right diagnosis. It's not an uncommon tumor, but it's only 10% or less of renal tumors. It's the same age as renal cell carcinoma. Usual presentation is hematuria. The thing about them, a bit more common in male, and patients often have multiple lesions. One of the hallmarks of TCC is the multiplicity and recurrence. Up to 4% of patients with bladder cancer develop upper tract TCCs, but 40% of patients with upper tract TCCs develop bladder cancer. That's one of the reasons when you have an upper tract transitional cell carcinoma, you resect the kidney, the ureter, and a portion of the bladder. There are some increased instances for TCC, including analgesic abuse, one of the things that's important is that TCCs are challenging. There's a range of appearances that Prado makes uh, nicely shown in this article, but sometimes they're very subtle calocele abnormalities. That's when they're challenging. When you have a large tumor or tumor-filled calyces with obstruction, it's not a very difficult diagnosis. And you can see from the spectrum of findings here, it's really the most subtle to the most obvious. Sometimes the biggest challenge is, is to call it a TCC because it looks just like a renal cell carcinoma or at times lymphoma, metastasis, or even occasionally infection. Examples. Here's a kidney. Both function symmetrically well, but there's something funny in the patient's right kidney. What is that soft tissue density? And I'll show it to you again in the coronal view. What is it? I don't know. It's kind of funny. It's soft tissue. It's not normal, but what is it? Well, if you look at the excretory phase, you see the obvious destruction of the renal pelvis and calyces. And if you take it to the coronal phase, you can see the upper pole calyces and pelvis are filled in. And if you take it to 3D, the upper pole calyces and renal pelvis are destroyed. So one of the hallmarks of transitional cell carcinoma is the calyceal abnormalities. Also, it does make the point that sometimes things are subtle, particularly on early phase imaging and that excretory phase imaging is the most critical for TCCs. It also makes the point when lesions are small, you can see why they're easy to miss. So in this case, look at the right kidney, not impressive, non-contrast, and very subtle change on the uh, arterial phase. I think the biggest difference is arterial and uh, phase shows the difference between enhancement in the right and left kidney. Now, if you look a bit closer at that region on the coronal view, there is some soft tissue thickening there, but again, it's subtle. But if you look at the excretory phase, it's much more obvious, right? There's a soft tissue mass there. There's no great magic. And if you take that and you look at it on the 3D, you can see the lower pole calyx is amputated. There's a soft tissue mass within the calyx, but it's amputated. This is classic for transitional cell carcinoma. And here's a couple more 3D views. Very, very classic. Now you look at this, if you didn't notice that lower pole calyx was missing, you could potentially walk by that lesion. Or in this case, same thing, same patient. Again, look at that lower pole calyces. It's thickened and there's an amputation. That's the critical finding, again, with the 3D maps. So things can be subtle even though they're somewhat obvious. What about this case? Look at the right kidney. What's that soft tissue density by the pelvis I've circled? I don't know, 
is it anything? Is it high density? Is it a cyst? Well, when you give contrast, you notice it enhances, but it's not very vascular, but it's enhancing. And when you look at the coronal view, you see it fills in the lower half of the pelvis and goes into the lower pole calyx. It's an infiltrating process. And here it is as we go to the volume rendering from the, from the arterial phase. And then as you go to venous phase, and then you go to excretory phase, and now there's no obstruction, but if you look hard, you see the calyces to the lower pole are infiltrated. There's some soft tissue around the pelvis. And if you look at that with MIP imaging, and one of the key things to me, five minute delay MIP imaging. It's really great at calyces. Look at the lower pole on the right. There's amputation, there's infiltration. This is a transitional cell carcinoma. There's no if, and, buts, or maybes. Beautifully seen, but easy to miss. You expect to see big time hydronephrosis or a big mass. It's very subtle, but the more you look at it, the more obvious it is. And I will tell you that MIP imaging, and I've lectured to you about this before, is particularly helpful for looking at the pelvis, calyces, ureter, as well as bladder. Another example, very similar. Look at the left renal pelvis in this case. Most subtle change between enhancement of the right and left kidney. But when you look at the coronals, look how the lesion fills in the calyxes to the lower pole, as well as extending into the pelvis. And you can see it very nicely from the axial, the coronal, and then delayed phase imaging. And you can see there's a soft tissue mass in the pelvis, which is in fact easier to see on the MIP imaging because here, left kidney, you see the upper pole, middle pole looks okay, and then the lower pole, there's infiltration of the pelvis, there's infiltration and near occlusion of the calyces to the lower pole. This is a classic infiltrating transitional cell carcinoma with amputation and destruction of the calyces, just beautifully seen on that expanded set of images. So a couple pearls for you. Don't go past five minutes for delayed because then the contrast gets too dense and you don't see anything. Use widened window 550 over 50 on arterial and delayed phase imaging. And MIP can be very helpful and you should probably consider doing select MIP images on every case, particularly any kidney case or any hematuria case. And just to show you again, look at the calyces here in this patient with hematuria. This is not a patient who has a renal cell carcinoma, but if you look at that patient's right kidney, you see that this patient has papillary necrosis to the calyces to the lower pole and the mid pole. And if you look at another patient, equally subtle, look at the calyces to the upper pole of the right kidney. You see they're blunted, they're irregular, and if you look hard into the calyces, you see this sloth papilla, this soft tissue mass, and here it is on the coronal view, that's papillary necrosis. Okay, and it's due to many things, but diabetes, analgesic abuse, steroids, anti-inflammatories, uh, sickle cell infection, these are all possibilities, and again, the brilliance of looking at those images correctly makes a diagnosis. In this case, you also see the changes in bone and spleen. This patient has papillary necrosis in a sickle cell patient. So it's very important to be able to look carefully and make that diagnosis. We've had several recent cases of papillary necrosis that were missed, but that is a good cause of hematuria. So Tomi Kawamoto did a great exhibit that's coming out on papillary necrosis, and you can see a nice example here that's sort of a ball on tree or ball on tea appearance. 
uh, we speak about with papillary necrosis. So it's something that you can make the diagnosis of, and it's very, very interesting. And again, the same principles for tumor. Now, with acute polynephritis, CT is typically done when we're looking for complications, but in patients with fever, it's not uncommon for us to pick up polynephritis, usually due to E. coli infection, more common in the women, and it's more common in patients who are immunosuppressed or debilitated, including diabetes. Fever, chills, flank pain, microscopic hematuria, these are some of the common findings in acute polynephritis. And the CT imaging will range from seeing nothing, particularly on early phase imaging, to changes in contour, renal size, decreased perfusion, rate of contrast excretion, perinephric abnormalities, you name it. Now the challenge with acute polynephritis is sometimes you don't have all the images. You may have an ER patient with a non-contrast only, and it gets tricky. In this case, you look at the left kidney, and I know there's something going on, right? The kidney's enlarged compared to right, if I had the same exact levels. There's also stranding in the perirenal space. That bothers me. And sure enough, you give IV contrast, look at the patchy enhancement. This patient has acute polynephritis. You can see it here as well. When you look to the coronal view, very nicely seen. That's just a classic example of acute polynephritis. Here's a few more views. And here is the excretory phase imaging. Again, patchy enhancement, stridonephrogram, classic for excretory phase imaging. So it's simply not going to be a problem in this case, but you could see it could be tricky on the non-contrast. Or this example, you look quickly, the kidneys look fairly symmetric, but then you look at this example and you look at the left kidney. Anteriorly, there's some patchy decreased enhancement. That's one of the classic findings in infection, decreased enhancement. Yes, theoretically, you can get hyperemia and increased enhancement, but in my experience, the most common finding is decreased enhancement, decreased perfusion, and stridonephrogram. So in this case, you can see the patchy decreased enhancement, particularly in the cortex of the kidney. And here's just a few more views showing you that it's the entire kidney involved. And here it is on the coronal view. So you can see sometimes the coronal is very helpful in select cases. In this case, we know this patient has acute polynephritis. Beautiful correlation with the patient's uh, stridonephrograms from the excretory phase imaging. Now, I mentioned stridonephrograms are great for polynephritis, but it's not necessarily specific. You can see with contrast toxicity, with infiltrative processes, with infarcts, and with transitional cell carcinoma. Now, the stridonephrograms, just to share an example, this is a beautiful example of stridonephrograms. The key thing here is that it's this patchy, low density. In terms of why this patient has stridonephrogram, it could be due to renal function, it could be due to the drugs, uh, the contrast, but this patient had uh, poor renal function due to uh, other medications treating the patient's disease. So a nice example of that. Now, with polynephritis, you may see extension beyond the kidney. Here's acute polynephritis with perirenal extension on the right. You can see the patchy enhancement in the right kidney. You can see the perirenal space involvement. The spleen will move out of the way. So it's just a very, very nice example. Now, I mentioned before some of the pitfalls of non-contrast scans. And in there was my comment about acute polynephritis, which is indeed a pitfall. And so if you look transplant kidney, 
maybe a bit big, but it's only with contrast, very obvious wedge shape differences between the cortex. Very nice example of what's classic for acute polynephritis. Again, the low density changes, the perfusion changes are all seen on arterial phase imaging and will be seen throughout in this patient. But you can see it's a very subtle diagnosis. Also, if you scan the patient without IV contrast material, you would not be able to make the diagnosis. And here it is again. So it's something you need to be aware of and something you need to think about. Now, we do have a bunch more material I like to go over. And I was trying to think, should we just finish up and then go home uh, and go shopping or something like that? But I'll tell you what, let's just take a few minute break and we'll come right back. Bye.